I was at LAX one day flying back here to visit friends and family and there was uh, an employee at the airport. He was probably in his 80s and he stopped me and he said, I remember when people dressed like you to fly. Welcome to Fashion Cast, the fashion industry's premier podcast where we explore all things fashion from designers and the latest styles to sustainability and breaking fashion news we keep you informed. Now, enjoy the show with your hosts, Michael Gloucester and me, Christine Tuck-Tuck. This week, you're about to meet another exclusive guest and a true fashionista. He's an aspiring actor who grew up just outside of Detroit, studied acting at the New York Film Academy, spent a decade on stage in various Michigan theaters, then lived in Los Angeles, pursuing a film career at Universal Studios. Now he's back in Michigan, acting, writing, and participating in photo shoots. He's won several awards for both acting and writing, and along the way, he honed his own unique fashion look while encouraging others to craft their own fashion image, too. Ladies and gentlemen, please meet the man who doesn't follow any fashion (laughs) fashion trends. He sets them. Ryan Scott Lacks, welcome to Fashion Cast. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. So tell us, what attracted you to the world of fashion? I think uh, finding a look is one of the most important things you can do as an actor. And it's one of the things that they don't really teach you. Uh, A lot of the classes that I've participated in, the focus is on the acting. But I think building an image, if you look at the difference between uh, somebody who becomes a star – uh, they have an identity. They're, they're interesting to look at even when they're not working. And so that isn't really taught. What initially attracted me to film was I'm a big old Hollywood lover. And I feel like during that era of the 30s and 40s, the, the stars at that time, that's something that you see. They all had very, very, very specific almost over-the-top looks that could set them apart from other people. Mm-hmm. So I, that I would say in terms of what attracted me, it, it was that because I sort of wanted to emulate that a bit. So were you in New York at the Film Academy where this idea of I'm going to have my own fashion look, I'm going to customize it, was it that early or was it you were in the business and then you finally figured out? Uh, not at all. Uh, first of all, the, the New York Film Academy, believe it or not, is in L.A. There is one in New York as well. I don't know why it's called that in both places because <laughs> everybody gets confused. Um, it, the one that I attended was at Universal Studios in Los Angeles, was, which was what took me out there because it was an opportunity to learn film, which I did not know, by being on the back lots at an actual studio, which is amazing. But to, to answer your question, no, this – I started in this business when I was eight years old on the stage and it was really – I would say probably right out of high school that I took an interest in creating my own look. I used to be more of a follower. I would look around and see people. I'm good at replication. So I would see other kids at school that were either popular or whose look I admired and I could duplicate that. But there's a false kind of thing there that that isn't you. It's them. It's not you. And so it took me a very long time to – realize how important it was to look like yourself and that that's what was attracting people to those people is they were doing that. So, you know, it's sort of like a world worships the original kind of concept. You're being authentic to yourself, yeah, which it's – you don't 
find that often. Mm-mm. People are always trying to follow, no, keep up with the latest trends. Yes. Yeah. And like you said, it's important to be yourself. It is. Well, mm-hmm. and they're told to. You know, mm-hmm. people are told yeah. to follow trends a lot. Uh-huh. There's a lot of pressure there. So do you think that, well, not only philosophy, but model or that, you know, path that you took in terms of, you know, crafting your own image, do you think that helped you in the acting world? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, how did that help? The first time I was ever offered anything, which in, in this industry is a big deal because as everyone knows, it's a lot of auditioning. Mm-hmm. So the minute somebody comes to you as an unknown actor and says, would you be in, in my project? It's a huge compliment. And anytime I've been offered anything, it's because, it's been because of that. It hasn't been from someone who watched my work as an actor or saw me on stage. It's somebody who saw my look and oh. said, I have this script and there's a character in it and it looks like you. So that's how important the visual medium of of this business is. Very true. It's kind of um, interesting to me from the designer's point of view. Mm -hmm. How do they approach someone like you who already has this look? In other words, a designer is essentially, and, and we can get into this whole issue of costume design versus everyday design. And those are two very, very different paths to go down. But... What do you think when a designer that you've worked with designers and you've done some modeling? I guess my fear is if I'm if I'm you and I'm doing modeling, are they are they looking at me as the actor person, <laughs> or are they looking at me, or are they trying to model the clothes? It seems like it it gets it could get jumbled up. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's one of the reasons I'm glad I started more more as an actor uh, because I think models do run into exactly what you're talking about is people don't know how to read them and it's more about selling a brand. As an actor, you are your own brand. And so it's a lot easier to tell people and more importantly show people who you are and what you are and then you attract two kinds of people and I found this to be true both in LA and here. You encounter people who want to help you who get you and you encounter people who don't get you at all. And I've never understood the concept of someone who doesn't get you wanting to work with you, but there's a lot of those people out there. <laughs> and that's where sometimes you buck heads yeah, right. because it's like you, you didn't really want me for this project. <laughs> and uh, But then when you meet someone who has a really deep understanding of you and loves your look and wants to um, – and I'm someone that always is looking to elaborate also. I mean I think you, you get stagnant when you say this is what I am and I'm not budging. Then, then you're difficult and it, good luck trying to be a, a part of something. But I think if, if a designer understands you, what you like, what you don't, what looks good and what doesn't, and they want to take you and expand on that, that's what excites me because I don't, I'm not afraid of going bigger. This is off the subject, but no. just by looking at you, I can see you as the phantom of the opera. <laughs> like when I look at you, I look at it's the phantom of the opera. Like you could totally it was a dream play role that for a long time. Oh, really? That's uh, my favorite. You look on my Facebook. There's a picture opera. of me cosplaying as it at a at a masquerade party. Oh, I just love the phantom of the opera. It's so my do I. favorite. Yeah. So, um, did you ever think about doing theater work or? Yeah, that yeah. was the first slightly more than 10 years of my career was, was on the stage. Yeah, uh, film I'm, didn't, that was much, much later. Film ap- appealed to me more into adulthood. Um, I like, as I say, it sort of started as, as an old Hollywood kind of thing. I was attracted to that era. I've always yeah. been attracted to that era and, and, and those people. 
So that was the beginning of that. But then also you discover as a theater actor that film has this kind of immortality about it, that people were still watching stars that did something 80 years ago today and enjoying their work. I think that's really amazing. So that's the trade-off. You know, live on stage, you get the immediate feedback of the audience and the energy and the applause and all the wonderful things you don't get in film. But the trade-off is in film, people can enjoy work that you did for basically forever. We're going to be at uh, the Detroit Comic Con. Mm. And we're going to, that's kind of like to get out of our comfort zone. So obviously, that's a lot of costume design. Mm. With you, again, from the designer standpoint, if the character likes to wear yellow and is supposed to be wearing yellow, but then Ryan Scott Lack says, God, I look awful in yellow and I don't want to wear that. You know, at, are you, how are you communicating with the designer? And don't you just have to wear yellow because that's what the character suggests? In my experience, it varies a lot project to project. It really depends on the designers because you'll encounter people who are very, very definite in what they want. They had a pre-existing idea of this character. The same is true for auditions. You know, a lot of actors don't realize that. People have a pre-existing idea of who a character is. And then one of two things happens. An actor walks through the door and either they they fit you in somehow or they look at you and they say, okay, we can go in this other direction. If it's the latter, lucky you. Because then you have a team of people that want your opinion and your involvement. Um, at that point, absolutely, you're free to say, you know, I look hideous in yellow. <laughs> Can we do something about that? If you're on a project where they really don't care very much about what you think, they have their own idea of what's uh -huh. going on and it, it's your job on set to fit into their mold, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of wiggle room at that point and Ooh. you just do it. If it's Even if it's something you want to do. Because if you're totally wrong for something, I mean, who wants to do that? That's a point that I've made many times before. Is not everyone is Meryl Streep. You know, she can <laughs> do anything. And there are certain She's actors that have that chameleon kind of quality oh that can God. blend into various She's roles. My favorite. There's other actors. I mean, you watch someone like Cary Grant. Cary Grant was Cary Grant in every film he did. But the persona of Cary Grant was very exciting and very interesting to look at and it's at times more interesting than the characters he was playing. So there's an example of someone who was really allowed to just bring what he brought into the role and it, and it always worked. I'm closer to that side of things because I, I've been told by directors I sort of bleed through parts that I play. Um, it's difficult to totally camouflage this. Um, so as I say, I mean, parts that I've been offered and ideas people have had, that's usually what I hear from them is I have this part, I have this project, you would be perfect for it because the two happen to come together and, and match. So when you go into auditions, do you usually stick with the, your the same look or do you change up your look, the look depending on the auditions? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, if a character is... Um, I mean, this is a fashion podcast, so I wore this. <laughs> um, it's sort of that. I mean, I'm that, I'm that way in, in everyday life, really. But sticking to your to auditions. Your own. I mean, obviously, yes. If if the character is like you, you can you can do that. If you're playing a, a bookworm type of character, I would wear glasses and a, and a polo or you know, mm, something like to that. To look the part. Yeah. To, to look the part, absolutely. Yeah. And they can see. I mean, nowadays, most actors have demo reels and – websites and things like that. So if you want to, it's easier, I think, 
than it's ever been for actors to get their own look out there. We a, a lot of what an agent only an agent used to be able to do, you can do yourself because of platforms like social media and things like that. We can self-promote, which for a very long time in this business was not the case. You needed somebody else to get your look out there. Yeah. It's easier, I think, now to be able to say this is who I am and this is what I do. That's why fashion and image is so important mm-hmm. to look the part in anything, going for a job interview, going for an audition. Absolutely. In general, you're – the look, your look is really important. Mm-hmm. How instrumental is the term in, in terms of the the play or the film, the actual design of those costumes? It seems like basically what I'm asking is, can you bring a, a B film up to an A based on the design of the costumes? Or is it really, it doesn't matter what the hell they're wearing, they can't act kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It I seems to me we I've seen some movies win awards and it's like, wow, I'm not sure they should have won that, but it, but they were so it looked so cool. You it know? looks fantastic. Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. That's an interesting question because it's one of the things that you learn when you enter into the world of film is you understand it is a visual medium. Film is completely 100% a visual medium. It was very jarring for somebody like me who comes from the theater where it's an actor's medium. You're sort of free out on that stage to do whatever it is you're going to do and the audience is – you're in control of what they're seeing. In film, because so much of it is visual, I don't think a B film could become an A film based on costume design. But what I do think is if you have a brilliant actor in a B movie – People will leave the theater and they'll say, movie was okay. He or she was fabulous. So I think in that same breath, if you have a costume designer that's doing amazing work, they would leave saying the same thing. I've, I've seen films where I, where I thought that, you know, the look of it was amazing, whether it was in the design or the overall cinematic quality. I think one of the scary things about film is that because it is a visual medium, you can have a lot of talent. And if it doesn't look good, it isn't good. That's sort of one of the first things that you learn as a, as a film actor that's very scary is that it all does need to come together. Mm-hmm. And if it looks great, but in all actuality, it's mediocre, a film like that will still win over a film that is fantastic and looks bad. So the visuals all the way around are important. Mm-hmm. I think design wise, because there was a sort of a part B to your question, I think an actor, And a costume, if you have a good enough designer, you can marry the two. When you see that happen, and we all have, both on stage and on screen, when somebody is really inhabiting what they're wearing, there is a magic to that. I think any actor that says that a costume doesn't affect their performance is lying. The the minute you put on something that looks like your character and feels like your character – it changes your walk. I mean, shoes change how you walk in in something. And so I've always placed a lot of importance in costume design as an actor because it's it's imperative that that be right. If you don't feel yeah. like you look great, it's going to affect well, your confidence. Yeah, mm-hmm. aren't our wardrobes, our everyday wardrobes are basically our costumes. Mm-hmm. This is why I hate Casual Friday, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. now I've got to see people that I uh, kind of admire and respect, and suddenly it's like, whoa, I don't know. Of course, that hasn't been good for the fashion industry either in terms mm-hmm. of... That's not good for anyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, As if we weren't lax enough as it is. <laughs> I know. So and I think when we go to Comic-Con, which will be interesting, I think one of the, the plays 
in terms of what we're trying to do down there is to determine if everyday designer could go to like a Comic-Con or study movies and look at all these different costumes and pick up something for your everyday general wardrobe, whether it's color, whether it's the style, whether it's the angle of the pattern, because there's all this crazy stuff going on, but you're obviously not going to wear that particular costume. But are there things that that you've picked up from costumes that you've transitioned over to your own wardrobe? It's like, I know it's a little costumey, but I really love that. I think that is possible. I, I, in fact, a lot of what's influenced me in my everyday wear has come from costumes because I didn't Bingo. have a look. When I started as an actor, I didn't have an everyday look. And a lot of that is um, if you work with really good designers and people that want to teach you. And because I started in this business so young, I had the benefit of that. You get to this age, you don't encounter many people that want to give you an education about things. When you're young and you're with a reputable theater company or you're at somewhere like Cranbrook where I had the benefit of acting for, for quite a few years, working with very professional people that are there to educate you about things, you learn – the importance of that and if there, if something is made specifically for you, you learn about your body. You know, if your shoulders are very, very rounded and you pad them, there you go. I mean, J- Joan Crawford said that, that her very iconic look started that way. Somebody told her that she had like football player shoulders and so the <laughs> enormous padded shoulder look sort of came in that obviously yeah. influenced an entire generation. Cary Grant only wore – double-breasted blazer jackets when he was told by his studio that wasn't the end look at the time. He said, well, then it's all I'm ever going to wear. Wow. <laughs> That's oh, how I you love create that. a look. Yeah, the trend. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Interesting. So I admire those people because uh-huh. I think that, you know, you – being themselves. Well, that's exactly. influential They're, on you, yeah. obviously, then. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. discover what, you know, looks good on you. And that's the thing. I've, I've had friends and, and other people uh, approach me for fashion advice specifically, and I usually s- turn them down because I say I don't I don't really know much about fashion. And they'll mm. look at me and they'll say, well, how is that? You look, you know, the way you look. <laughs> and I was like, the, adv- the only advice that I could ever give somebody on fashion is study yourself. And I think that's one of the problems is that a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. They don't – see, I'm an actor, so we love looking at ourselves in the mirror. But you know, for the average person, they're not comfortable studying every inch of their body. And if you really do that and you play around with things and discover what looks good with you, that's the advice that I give people is know what works for you versus what doesn't and stay within those parameters instead of following something that you may like but that doesn't work for you. I think it's balancing those scales that that are key. Who's your favorite fashion designer? If you had to pick one. Well, acting-wise, I would say right out of the gate, I think Colleen Atwood is mm-hmm. one of the most brilliant designers in, in Hollywood. I would kill to wear anything that she made. Um, Any examples? Like what? She, um, the, well, yeah, actually, the, she's done so many films. But Snow White and the Huntsman Whoa. was a movie that came out when I was living in L.A. And the – the wardrobe for that and the costumes that Charlize Theron wore as the evil queen, they were not only spectacular, but after investigating that more, I learned that there was a story behind each one that Colleen Atwood, when she was interviewed, explained why she was wearing what she was wearing, how that influenced 
who her character was. So it was the first time I had seen somebody say, okay, this is an evil queen. It's easy to say, let's just put her in very over-the-top, elaborate things. This was an example of somebody who said, who is this character? And what can I put her in that reflects that? I was fascinated by that. I also love Bob Mackie because he's equally well-known both on the stage and screen but also in real life. A lot of the stars that have worn his designs – he does their red carpet looks. He does, in some cases, their everyday looks. Um, I think he's amazing because he very much builds on who that entity is, what their personality is, what their star is really trying to say. So I think people like that that aren't afraid to go over the top, I, I think it's over. I, it's only over the top if it looks ridiculous. And I think it looks ridiculous if you can't own it. I think that's one of the keys in fashion is that we all admire people that we see walking down the street wearing something that they own. The minute you see someone wearing something that might be a little loud and they know it's loud, they're completely aware that what they're wearing, they're not comfortable in it. Those are the people that people will look at and say, oh, that's not yeah. really working for you. It's, so but if it's you're confident wearing Part it. confidence, mm-hmm. part you know, fashion, but the mm-hmm. two do need to go together. And of course, you have to be comfortable with yes, what you're wearing. Absolutely. Most importantly, if you're comfortable, you're going to exude that confidence. 100%. Yeah. So how long were you in LA? I was in LA for just under three years. And so did the LA look, because clearly, if I'm in New York, and I'm in the airport, and someone gets off the plane, I can tell you if they're from LA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have the LA look, vibe, whatever. So did you pick up any of that? Do you think any of that rubbed off on you, on the, on the Midwestern boy? No, and I think that that's <laughs> for two reasons. One, I was really amazed at how casual the majority was out there when I got out there. Wearing flip-flops. Um, yeah. On you every know, day. We had, yeah. we had joked well, earlier about casual Friday. You know, <laughs> That was every day. It, this is an era thing. You know, it really is an mm-hmm. era thing. Yeah. We're living at a time right now where active wear mm-hmm. is is appropriate for everyday yeah, wear. Yeah, and yeah. without sounding too judgy to each too their judgy, own. Too judgy, yeah, yeah, yeah. But people are getting comfortable. You see a lot of that <laughs> in L.A. versus the, oh, my goodness, everyone is is so glamorous and classy. I did That wasn't my impression when I got to L.A. Um, you can go to... You know, certain restaurants that you know a lot of celebrities may hang out at at a Friday or Saturday night and you'll see a lot of very fancy things. But just walking down the street, I saw more fashion on mannequins than I did, you know, on on people, which I would say is also true of here. So it wasn't – but the other thing is that I had already established what my look was before I went out there. So in terms of influence on me – you know, there was a. I was at LAX one day, flying back here to visit friends and family, and there was uh, an employee at the airport. He was probably in his eighties, and he stopped me and he said, "I remember when people dressed like you to fly," <laughs> and it was one of the nicest compliments that I yeah, that well, I ever that's... received, and it, wow. it meant the world to me. Yeah. And that's sort of what I mean is that. I had made a decision. I never liked being terribly casual. I'm not against it. I'm against it for me. And so that affects people 
in various ways. Sometimes I'm I'm almost grateful that I am in the era that I am because you can get more attention. That's so I true. I think if you stand out. That's because so true. not everyone around Especially you here in this country. But, oh, yes. But like if you were to go to London, like my husband and I were walking in the streets of London and like everybody was dressed so nice. I mean, oh, Europe still, has it. They still have <laughs> it. it. Yeah, Italy, London, mm-hmm. uh, Paris, they still have it. It's just I think here people are getting more too comfortable. Yes. But we talked about recently where people have stopped you or myself and said, hey, I kind of like what you're wearing. Uh-huh. I appreciate that you're wearing. And then I've started doing it. If I see someone, you know, uh-huh. like, I, lo- I just did this the other day. I saw this guy. I said, God, I love those shoes. Well, yeah, I ordered three pair. I got this. I mean, yeah. they looked great, you know. So I wanted to take a picture, I didn't, but I didn't want to <laughs> overstep my boundaries. But I think it helps to have, occasionally have someone say, I like what you're wearing. It 100%. looks really, really good. Because and- then you're more apt to wear something nice again. And to be honest with you, that's how I approached. Oh, that's, yes. <laughs> that's how I approached him. He was sitting oh, in a restaurant. I thought he bought you guys dinner. No, we oh. were sitting in a restaurant. I said, so I just, now no, you I, told my husband, <laughs> I told my husband, I just love that guy's style. You know, you don't see that often. So, and I just, I said, I just love what you're wearing, you know, and we got to talking and yeah, so yeah, he told I want to jump in. There's an opportunity here to mention that I think one of the best components of finding a look is that listening to strangers your friends and family sort of owe you something and their opinion isn't always um best because of that a lot of what went into the creation of my look was listening to exactly what you just said people stopping you on the street and Mm -hmm. saying i like that um my philosophy was every time somebody does that dial it up Take whatever that thing is that they like and take it even further. And I think that's where the unique – if that's what you're going for, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to be unique and be an individual, that's a great way to find that is listening to very kind people who (laughs) stop you and compliment (laughs) you. And that's your reminder that, okay, this is working for me. See, but that's the thing. Most people are trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. No, People are afraid to stand out. Absolutely. And that's the problem. Uh, what ideas or insights could you give us? We believe uh, men's fashion in the U.S. is going through a renaissance period in a way. So yes. um, can you give us any ideas or insights on what you would incorporate into the stale and boring world of men's <laughs> fashion today? I think there's a permission that's being given to men now that, that I think is fantastic. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think there is a renaissance going on and it's a wonderful thing. I mean, even 10 years ago, Nobody could have dreamed that men would get away with what they're getting away with now. I think it's necessary. I think the idea that what are they getting away with? That's what I was going to ask. It <laughs> <What are they laughs> like with long men with long hair. What are they getting like away? your what are your they hair, for instance. Who can make statements? You yes. know, I had said to a friend once. One of the things that always bothered me is the idea that you look at something like the red carpet, for example, and all this attention gets paid to what the woman is wearing and whatnot. And I would hear male actors being interviewed on their suit or whatever. And so many of them would say, oh, well, I have the easy job. I can just, you know, rent something and it's fine. And I'm like, that's dull. That's really dull. Why, you know, why is that is always the question that I would ask myself is why can't you be a statement? Why does society make it okay for women to be fabulous and not men? Exactly. And that always bothered me. So I do think that we're, we're seeing a lot of that. There is an actor, his name is Cody Fern who sort of just appeared on the scene in a very big way. And I think he's fantastic, not only as an actor, but also as a fashion icon. I think he became managed to become a fashion icon within the first 
year of his career, which is really amazing. But some of his red carpet looks have been very avant-garde and very unique and amazing. And a friend of mine sort of discovered him before I did and said, you should check this guy out. He reminds me of you. And I took that as an amazing compliment when I did check him out because he wow. really is very Now I got to check him out. What's the name of Check him Cody out. Fern. Cody Fern. Cody Fern. Okay. Fashion-wise, he's fantastic. I, I'm an enormous <laughs> fan of his um, because of that. Um, I think huh. that for men to be able to have an identity – I mean that's one of the reasons I mentioned Cary Grant earlier and his you know, thing about the, the double-breasted jacket fashion statement is that I think men – are often lazier when it comes to this topic. And there was a – I knew an amazing makeup artist when I was very young. She was doing a sort of a master class on makeup. She said something that always stuck with me. She said, women will always be able to find a makeup artist that can put great makeup on them. Men, not so much. And she said, if you've ever been to a ballet or a theater or – Anything in that realm, you will notice that a lot of men have the the rosy cheeks and the, you know, sort of ridiculous looking makeup. And she said that's because you have a woman working on them that is more that far more accustomed to putting makeup on women. So she said it is more important for every single male in this room to learn about makeup than it is for women so that you can catch that. Ooh. And when you're on camera or on stage, you can look like a man. That always stuck with me because I thought, you know, that's that's brilliant. Because at that age, you know, I was a typical, you know, I, I'm a boy. Why should I care about makeup? And that was the answer. And I think with fashion, it's the exact same thing. I think it's very important to care not only what you look like, but also to own it. Because it's when you don't own it that I think people will sort of abandon the importance of fashion. Is if it's just something, if the only time you dress up is prom or a red carpet event. Or a charity dinner and it's – the only reason you're doing that is because you've been forced to. That's one of the issues that I think we're going through right now is even in Hollywood when you look at celebrities, they look like movie stars when they're on the red carpet. Again, you hearken back to the golden era. A movie star was always a movie star no matter what, whether they were male or female. It was an image that they were living up to. You see so little of that now and I think because – celebrities usually are the ones who set the trends for the public. If you have people of status that couldn't care less, you're going to see that reflected back in, in society. Not only will you feel good and feel confident, but don't you notice a big difference in the way people treat you? 100%. Yeah, yeah, don't, they, don't you feel yeah, more respect point. when you look good? Well, especially the opposite of that. There's, get, a, yeah. there's a funny story about that. When I was living in LA, I had a friend who worked in the building that I lived in and we would have lunch all the time and there was a gym inside of the building. So I would work out in the morning and then we would sometimes go to lunch on his lunch break. And one day I was late for my workout and he texted – so I texted him saying, can we push lunch back? I just left the gym. And he said, well, I've been at my desk all day. His desk was right where the gym entrance was. And he goes, and I didn't see you. And I said, what do you mean? I said, I just left. So he said, what were you wearing? And I told him. He goes, that's you? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, I have been wondering for six months who oh. the weirdo is who waves at me every single day. 
Same thing happened here at Starbucks. If I don't want to be seen or whatever, I'll put on, you know, a sweatsuit and a baseball hat. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows me. Uh-huh. Even people You're on a first incognito. name basis. So I think that's the great thing about caring about this stuff is that you yeah. can, when you do go casual, you're you're almost in disguise, yes. so to <laughs> so speak. True. So I think, yeah. you know, that's a big, absolutely, in terms of how people react to you. People don't react to me at all when I don't care versus when I do. And I think that's a great lesson. I have always said, and I know many other actors who have said the same thing, anyone who says that when they, you know, there's this stigma, when you look good, you feel good. Sometimes people challenge that, that that's a lie. <laughs> it's simply... <laughs> Not true. When you look good, you do feel good. And I feel like that needs to be preached more. Yeah. That putting in that extra effort, because what people don't realize is it takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes effort. If you care about this, it's work. It's not easy. And I see so many designers, you know, on television and things like that. And they're saying, oh, I've designed this so that it's just easy on, easy off. Mm. And it's like we're sending out this message to people that that that's the way to go. And it's like, think back to a time when to go to work, you had to be fully made up. But to be honest with you, it's hard in modern society Mm -hmm. because people are so busy. People don't have the time. Absolutely. But if a woman can do her hair and makeup and find out – Men can too. Absolutely. (laughs) If women can find the time, so can men. Absolutely. And I mean, look, we've all – I've met many men that can manage to roll out of bed and throw on a baseball cap and look great. And we all hate those people. You know? <laughs> so the 1%. Them. I'm not one of those people. I wish I were. I really, really do. But Except when you're going to the gym. I require work. And so, you know, that's the thing is that people – absolutely. I mean there are those those people out there that who don't manage to look amazing anyway. I think that's a question of bone structure. But I think for the rest of the world, you get out what you put in. And I think that has a lot to do with it is have an opinion. You know, it's it's not – it's not always about other people's opinion of you. It's really about your opinion of of yourself. 100%. Do, do yeah. you feel good? Now, I've always said if I do something sort of different and I try it out in the world and every single person I encounter tells me I look terrible, I should probably listen to that because it's pretty unanimous. <laughs> if you try, you know, good luck bucking that sort of thing. Yeah. But if you're dealing with, you know, we were earlier discussing men with long hair versus short hair and how people are very opinionated on that. That's that's the person talking. We all have opinions on things that we like and that we don't. My rule has always been if just as many people or more are saying they like something I'm doing versus people who don't, I'm going to stick with that because I like it. Mm-hmm. Hats are mm-hmm. a great example of this. I'm a big fan of hats. Mm-hmm. And fedoras, it's been sort of commonplace for men that wear fedoras. The, the, the brims mm-hmm. are very small. Mm-hmm. I have a very large head. And I don't like the way those hats look on me, but I love hats. So when I started to wear fedoras, they were very large and a lot of um, slightly more conservative people took issue with that. And somebody asked me one day, why do you do that? And I said, I like big hats. It's that simple. Yeah. I like simple. big hats yeah. and I think I look great in them. I like the way I feel. Exactly. I like the way I feel in hats. If yeah. I wore what you wanted me to wear, I'd look terrible. And that's it's the that thing. Simple. You don't see too many accessories, especially for men, unless it's the baseball cap. Oh, accessories. And my dad still wears a fedora. Yeah. You know, he's, and mm-hmm. he wears a suit and he wears a fedora. But that's a different generation. Today, they'll just wear baseball caps. Absolutely. But you know. I'm a big believer in accessories. Mm-hmm. Well, very, very a, big. You can dress the I most love casual hats. thing I up love with scarves that. on a man. So I do love I. that. I was wearing a scarf when we met. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Okay, I remember now. <laughs> we'll have to meet. 
Aki, for sure. Oh, you have to. Yeah, he's Aki. all about men. He's the chair of uh, the accessories department. At, um, fashion. C- and, yeah, fashion yeah, yeah. accessories at CCS, College of Creative Studies. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. My brother went there. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he he designed shoes and accessories and all that. And he's very yeah, talented. Yeah, yeah, have to be. So this is a perfect segue into now that we know what you like and don't like. Would you ever consider collaborating with a designer I would for your for your own like the Ryan Scott Lacks brand or whatever. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, you've carved out your own little niche, mm-hmm. and it's different, right? And it's unique, and it's cool. And then, but you're kind of you're designing and styling yourself. Yes. So there's nothing out there that says that's exact. That's me. That's what I want. You've, you take you've bits got to put and it together. Everything. So would you consider that? Yes. I, I have mixed feelings about that because, you know, my philosophy about, as I said before, is people finding their own look. I've always told friends of mine and things like that, you know, I would never do anything to make you look like me because that would be a dismal <laughs> failure. But yes, um, in terms of. But others may making, find, yeah, they may find what you're wearing very attractive, and yes, they, and they and they actually may look good in something like a- that. Absolutely, and I yeah. think that is important, and I think I would do it for that reason because, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've left the mall saying, uh, feeling very depressed, saying there's nothing here for me. Uh-huh. I've been to uh-huh. sixty stores, and I can't. I don't see myself anywhere. I, um, I think you have Zara, to hang out with the people we hang out with because that yeah. wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have. Yeah. I have a hard time. I have a hard time finding stuff in the mall too. I, yeah. I don't even go anymore. It's just it's a waste hard. of time. Well, yeah. and of course, if you, you know, know somebody who's a designer, That's I mean, a I have a story. friend who, who is, and he's living in London, and he does amazing things, and he and I joke all the time about him him creating things for me, and I always you? say, "Wait, just wait. Give me a chance to really make it, and we'll." Go full speed go. ahead with that because well, I yeah. would be so much more interested in that, having things yeah. made for me than oh, yeah. um, you know, made. that kind of thing. I will say, though, I think stores like Zara, places <laughs> like that, really at the forefront of providing material for people who feel like they don't fit in somewhere else. You can go in and you can say, oh, wow, that's really unique. And I've, I've loved Zara for, for that reason. Um, I think Armani's always been very good at doing that. Stores like that are necessary. You know, we were saying how it's more it's it's easier now for men to play in this field than it's been. We don't have the stores catching up to that. That's something I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. Is that now that we have men making more and more of a statement, whether it's in the entertainment industry or the fashion industry, if we saw that reflected back, I think it would help a lot. Because mm-hmm. now people are ready for it, but it's harder to find. It's harder to find. There's only a handful of places, like Absolutely. you said, Zara. That you can go to. There's not many, but mm-hmm. well, here in this country, yeah, Europe, absolutely. on every corner. That's, that's a candy <laughs> yeah. store in Europe. <laughs> it, you, literally, you'll be walking in Rome, and it's like you're in a fashion show. Mm-hmm. It's like unbelievable. I'd probably dress. go there. In, in the, if in I was the, ever that big a in deal. In the airport. In the airport. It's like, is this a fashion show? Like Everybody looked amazing. Yes. But it's coming here slowly. It is. It's coming. Zara comes from Spain, I believe. And I had said yeah. that earlier. It's you coming. know, The pendulum is swinging back. It's coming. We're seeing, yeah. you know, it's easy to get caught up in the sort of negativity of, you know, nobody tries anymore. But there, you're seeing, I was saying that sort of thing 10 years ago. And now you're seeing this sect of people who really are coming out and embracing individuality in in fashion and even if it's not individuality even if it's just a desire to look good 
Because mm-hmm. obviously not everyone is an actor. Not everyone is a model. And I think that's an important thing to touch on too that you – if you're going to wear over-the-top things, usually you're an over-the-top person. You don't encounter that many of those people. So I think also being able to market to people that are more under the radar but say, you know what? Let's educate people about the cut of something so that they can wear something that's more run-of-the-mill but maybe they'll look better than anyone else because it's cut the because right way. Because it's tailored. Which that's yeah, the thing I've always said about suits. about that all the time. Yeah, about, like yeah. – and that's the reason why you go to suit supply because <laughs> they have all your measurements. It yes. fits you perfectly and you don't have to worry about it being big well, or yeah, tight. Absolutely. What's well, amazing the cut about – is what matters the yeah, most. Yeah, for men, so many men – so they'll go to wherever and they'll have they'll buy a new suit and it's fitted there and it's either not fitted right or something changes with their body within a year and then it doesn't fit so then they don't have it retailored just getting it retailored and you see, yeah. I mean I know really really wealthy people who just dress like garbage it's crazy <laughs> I mean they <laughs> they just so poorly. so true and, well, and I just want like, to shake them and say look I know I know what you're worth you you've like, got to get together on this like piece. Warren Buffett yeah actually that's that's I'm a so validated hearing you say that I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well yeah. I but I think people people have to remember a lot of that comes from the idea that for many many years in fact I would argue the majority of the time that we've been around status was sort of taxed with having to look their best. All of a sudden, there came this period, it was really in the late 80s, early 90s, where the attitude changed from the more money I have, the more status I have, the more I have to care, to I'm rich, therefore I don't have to I don't have to try as hard. That is something I resent. I really am very passionate about that. Yeah. I really resent that a lot because Uh I think that, you know, people look up to these people. Uh And that was the beginning. The minute you saw people of status doing that, that was the beginning of people no longer caring. And Mm -hmm. not caring, you know, I don't say that in a snobbish way because obviously every time you get on this topic, you run the risk of – Sounding sort of imperious and, and, and all things like that. What I argue with people is, again, for me, it always comes back to when you look good, you feel good. It's not about you have status, therefore you should. It's about really inspire people to want to be the best that they can be. That's what I believe in as far as how you look. You're not looking good because you're trying to outdo somebody mm-hmm. else. The minute that's your goal, you're on the Real Housewives show, you know. It, yeah, and those other people, like you said, they think oh, I'm going to get respect no matter what. I exactly. don't have to look good, you know. Absolutely, and yeah, then suddenly one, looking you know, terrible has become popularized. It's popular too. <laughs> exactly, amazing to me. Uh, yeah, but, it's just a, it's just the time we're in. I'm yes. sure that will change. Mm-hmm. It'll go back, like you said, in the ho- old Hollywood mm-hmm. days when everybody dressed up, even to go to the movies. You know, exactly. So hopefully, it will become like that. I agree. Yeah. So what is your favorite style? I mean, in terms of, and when do you like to dress up or do you like to dress up like for the holidays versus just, you know, going out to dinner versus, and, and when you do, are there different styles that you're wearing? I love themes. I will say that that's a tough question for me to answer because I, I try and look good all the time. But yes, if it's a, if it's a special occasion, um, I love Christmas time, you know, because you can, you can theme a lot of what you wear to that. Um, and I find that to be 
Wait a minute. What do you mean? You're kind of theme it. Are you talking about Reds, ugly greens, sweater no, kind of no. contest? Lord, I'm offended that you have. <laughs> Maybe a red silk yeah, yeah. shirt. Yeah. You know, you could, you, there's just things you can get away with, I yeah. think, at Christmas that, yeah. that you can't, you know, yeah, for the I'm rest of the year. Right. Run with it and have fun. I mean, yeah. I think themes are great. Themes are really, really great because, you know, it allows you to make a statement even if you put effort in all of the days of the year. And that's how I feel about Halloween. I oh. always God yeah. I Halloween. didn't know that about you. Oh, I Christine. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween's so fun. I could just permission. wear what I want. Exactly. Do, do the craziest makeup. It's just fun. One you day learn a lot at Halloween. Yeah. You I've ma- no, I've made that point to people. Yeah. You really do learn when it comes to creativity and pushing <laughs> uh-huh. boundaries. Push, yeah. Oh boy. So I can't tell you how many people I know that have done a look for Halloween and they're like, I look fantastic. And suddenly it's become <laughs> a part of their That's their funny. thing. I love things like that. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And that's why I'm sure you love theater because you yes. can you can change the part. You can have oh, yeah. fun. You can have fun with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So are there and I'd be remiss because I think the audience would beat us down for not going back to the Zara piece. Are there issues within the industry that you're aware of that you're concerned about in terms of what's going on in fashion? Now, Zara is as you know, they did sign a sustainability pact. And they're doing something about their fast fashion ish- issues. The five-year plan. Yeah. And we're kind of immersed in that. And what's what's interesting is the general public isn't immersed in what's going on in the fat. I mean, we were shocked to know They that don't the, know the truth. Yeah, the fashion. And number two in pollution in the world for everything is fashion. It's just crazy. What is it? The, uh, you know, a garbage truck full of clothing is dumped every second mm-hmm. into a landfill. Whatever's not I sold, mean, they just, just throw it away. Yeah. Wow. So. There's a what a waste. What so a in waste. the last I know last couple of years, and now it seems even more on the forefront on the front burner of the industry. At least they're cognizant of it. You know, they're thinking about the whole sustainability issue. Is that something that you would say? Okay, if someone's going to design clothes for me, or I'm going to have stuff made, are you going to are you going to go the next mile to do the extra effort in terms of where is this thing sourced? I mean, what, in a couple of weeks, we're going to go to Detroit Denim. So that's a totally vertical, you know, company right here in Detroit where they're actually designing, sourcing, and they're actually manufacturing right here in Detroit. So that's pretty amazing. And, and you know, that's going to be fun to do a tour of that. Yeah, I'm sure. That's the thing with sustainability um, in this country, like versus in Europe, it's slow fashion where everybody's buying quality clothes yes. and they just have a small wardrobe that they change it up and versus the fast fashion here and just so much waste. They're just yeah. so yeah. much waste. I think there are two components to that. I think number one, knowledge is power and you have to care. You know, I mean, that that's my answer to your first question of, you know, if that's somebody came answer. to me. <laughs> The reason I say knowledge is power first is that, you know, for a lot of people, we don't know about these things. Mm-hmm. And then once you, you do, it should change how you look at it. As far as the second part of that being, you know, caring and, and waste in the slow growth of fashion, I think slow growth is wonderful as compared to something that moves at a rapid pace. I think we have a problem with that in this country. We have a problem with that with technology. We have a problem with that with fashion. With food. We mass produce everything. (laughs) And I think the issue with that is that the latest thing is the latest thing for that amount of time. And Mm -hmm. how do you establish something if if that's the case? I mean, technology alone, as somebody once said to me, you think about how many years we enjoyed the radio before television. 
And then how many years we enjoyed television before home video? Well, now we it's it happened. It's changing daily. So I think people's appreciation for things is very, very flash in the pan esque. And so I think fashion is a part of that. Should should be a part of that anyway. Let something breathe for a while and let people discover it and decide if it works for them or not. Yeah. To be continued. More on this to be topic. Continued when you're invited <laughs> to be back. continued I mean, you when this you're invited back. back. Oh, Absolutely. 100 oh, yeah, yeah. percent. There's you. so much more to talk about. We didn't even. <laughs> yeah. We need to make it started. But can you please tell our audience audience where they can find you? You can find me on Facebook under Ryan Scott Lacks, Instagram, Ryan dot Scott dot slash Lacks because Ryan Scott Lacks was taken. Apparently, of course, <laughs> having a website designed right now, but it's not available yet. So OK, well, stay tuned. Yeah. Next time. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, tell a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also visit us on our website at fashioncastpodcast.com. I'm Christine. And I'm Michael. Stay beautiful.